0: the questions of the Well, we started by introducing the story of the spies, and then by asking a few questions on the story of the spies. The main one, the famous one, how could the spies, who were the most righteous of the nation, they were the leaders of each tribe, how could they sin? How could they stop to believe in Hashem and think that Hashem was not strong enough to conquer the land of Canaan? And then we asked two questions on the land of Israel. Why is the land of Israel called a land flowing with milk and honey? Why is that like the biggest praise that we can give to Israel? And also, why is it that Israel is the place where the most physical mitzvahs are actually done, specifically in the land of Israel? What's the connection between Israel, Eretz Israel, and physical mitzvahs? So we put those questions aside, and we started to discuss the world of Tahu and the world of Tikkun, right? (coughs) That's what we ended off with last class. And we basically discussed the idea that in the world of Tikkun, the lights were infinite and so the vessels were not able to actually contain them. Each sephira existed on its own. The sephiras weren't included one within the other. Each one shone infinitely and left no room for the other, right? And this caused the breaking of the world of tohu and this caused the, the vessels, which were infinite, very powerful vessels, to fall down into this world. On those vessels were attached sparks. Those sparks are the sparks, the remnants of the lights from Tohu. So there's two ideas. There's the breaking of the vessels, and that the vessels fell down here. And then the idea of the 288 sparks, which are remnants of the light of Tohu that fell down here as well. And we know the rule. The higher something starts out spiritually, the lower it falls into this world. So it manifested itself into the physicality and ultimate concealments that exist within the physical world, all those things that scream out that Hashem doesn't exist and that they live independently and seemingly created themselves. Within all of that, within the physicality and we call what we call the Kleefa, that which covers over the truth of Hashem in this world exists sparks and vessels from the world of Tohu. And our job in the world of Tikkun is to rectify the breakage that happened then. Hello. I like your haircut. It looks wonderful. And so, in the world of Tikkun, our job is to extract these sparks from the physicality that exists around us, that exists also within ourselves. We know that our soul is also covered over by a body. Our body is also, it's brought in many places, sourced in the world of Tikkun, anything physical is. Our animal soul, in the world of Taos, sorry, our animal soul is sourced in the world of tos, so our godly soul, which we said is sourced in the world of Tikkun, in the highest level from Atsinus comes down here, it's the most godly of everything, it looks the highest, but it has to specifically deal with the physicality and the concealment of the body and of nature, etc., so that it can extract this box and then get an aliyah, rise up even higher than its own source in Atsidot, all the way to the level of revelation that existed in the world of tongue So that's basically what we discussed last class. Now, what we're going to discuss, and that's basically almost a, a brief explanation of why we need to deal with physical things, right? Why do we need to interact with physical things? What's the point? Why do we need to lower ourselves from the spiritual standing of the soul in the upper worlds down here to be eclipsed by concealments? And the answer is because within those concealments are the greatest lights and the greatest opportunities to access and have a relationship and connect with Hashem. And so that's why we specifically have to come down here. So now we're going to discuss... That, that's the answer to the question that we asked. Why is it that man has to eat bread? Remember we asked that question. <laughs> so we said in order to answer those three questions that we asked at the beginning, we have to ask another question. Why does man rely on physical bread? Bread is so much less sophisticated than a human being, and yet we are dependent upon it for our survival. And it's not the other way around. Grain doesn't need us, right? Grain grows, right? We, we, we do grow grain. The grain grows wild. It doesn't, need, it doesn't need human beings to survive. And... The answer is because within grain, within anything, within the domain, within the inanimate objects, the vegetation and the animals, which are the most concealed, they're the least sophisticated, and they show and express the least amount of godliness in the world. There exists within each one of those, the morning rays of Hashem that are in the grain, in, in the, the grain. grain, in every inanimate object and grain and animal, all the physicality around us, which is lower than us, right, and less godly. There's actually sparks of godliness there that are higher than we could ever reach on our own. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. <coughs> so now we're on page seven, and now we're going to answer that question based on what we understood from the world of Toe. Does anyone have any questions or comments on what we learned about Toe versus Tikkun? Not yet. Okay. And Toe, by the way, is also after the Tsim Marishon, the world of toe. So. It's um it's still lights that were working together with vessels, but just the process and the integration didn't work very well. So remember we spoke about simsumeration ages ago, where the Hashem's light was just everywhere, it was uncontained completely. So tohu doesn't exist there. It exists often simsumeration somewhere within Keser, basically a little bit before within levels of Keser, um, and um, and then. The world of Tikkun starts from Atzilut, from the world of Atzilot, Okay, where there's now order. So let's answer the original question inside, and then move on to the next idea, which is a continuation of the same idea but moving on from Told. So page seven, V'lachem. This is why. ask the place? Okay. So V'lachem. This is why. Saricha Adam, a person needs the Kabel to receive his source of life, his energy. from the inanimate objects, vegetation, and animals, those things which are lower than him. Since the source of the 288 sparks of Tohu, they're sourced in an extremely high place, as is explained in other places in Chassidus. So when we receive, when we elevate, the domen and someach and chai around us, we extract the 288 sparks that fall from Tahu and our godly soul rises up to that level. And so physically we're being sustained and nourished. Our physical body can continue to live by eating and consuming the the plants and the animals, etc. around us. And spiritually we're being sustained as well because our godly soul is able to be nourished by that which is higher than it, by the sparks of Tahu. Sure. So we asked the question, why is a man dependent, physical man dependent on physical bread, which is lower than him? And the answer was that within the bread, there are sparks of tohu that fell that are much higher than the person. And therefore, the person is dependent upon the bread physically for nourishment to survive and spiritually because the soul comes from tikkun and the bread, physicality around us, comes from tohu. But what I don't understand is you thought we had already gathered all the sparks. Okay, so so that was... I think Stella asked this question last class um, because Hashem said that we've gathered... Uh, the, the Rebbe says that we've elevated all the sparks and now Mashiach is ready to come. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, there are general sparks and then there are shards and shards and break, break-offs <laughs> of sparks. And I said that I don't have the full answer to that because we know that the Rebbe demanded of us that we need to do more and more and more and work with the physicality around us. So there's still more work to do, but at the same time... The world is ready. So it's also what the Rambam says, that we have to remember that just one more thing, it could be your your mitzvah is what's going to tip the scale and bring the Shia. I don't know the answer exactly, and I'm sure there are, I just haven't, I don't know enough about exactly like, exactly every Sikha where the Rebbe brought this point, because the Rebbe brought it again and again, very often, um, and how how that matches up with the fact that we still are here and we still need to do the work, right? but, and I did say that maybe it is that we're moving into another stage, right, because we know that a lot of our avada used to be, uh, our service of Hashem and the extracting of the sparks used to be through suffering, which we see very much in the galut of, and the exile of Mitzrayim, where most of the sparks were, that the Jewish people had to extract that actually through suffering, through being slaves there. and. One of the biggest messages of the Rebbe that maybe connects to this is that we're no longer We don't need to suffer anymore and God is to be to be ready for Mashiach. The world has suffered We have suffered and now we're on to the next stage of actually serving us from a place of of Ashirot, of wealth and of pride and so the, the avoda has shifted and maybe that has to do with it um, but I don't know exactly what that means like are we now not elevating sparks when we deal with physicality? I think we are but Maybe all the sparks that were actually necessary for Mashiach to come have been done and now we're we're doing more. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I'm kind of making it up as I speak, but um but I but definitely one aspect of this is that our voda has shifted. Okay, so from a place now where we're not extracting sparks and we're elevating the world and preparing it for Mashiach in a way of suffering and in a way of slavery, but rather in a way of pride to be Jewish and um and wealth actually. Okay. Um <coughs> But leave that aside for now, okay? <laughs> um, leave, leave, leave that idea of the Rebbe aside for now. This is the Ultra Rebbe. It was before the Rebbe's time. So um, we'll, um, we'll focus on this. The next thing we're going to be focusing on now, now that we've established the answer to the general question of why do we need to lower ourselves to deal with physicality in order to actually live, right? We, we have to. It's not like we even have a choice. <laughs> now we're going to start to discuss what happens when we do mitzvahs and we abstain from doing a so what's happening spiritually and why is it that we need to be involved with this so it's continuing along the same lines of the idea that the soul has to descend in order to actually ascend again the concept of your Um, but we're going to take a little bit of a different different turn here now okay so similarly bottom of page seven hazeh the whole idea of why did the godly soul have to descend into this world, has Shafel, this lowly world, Dafka specifically. And we know that it's hukade la akafia To bend, to subdue the sitra akhra, which means the other side, the kalipas. What what what, what do, do, this for? What, what the do the, we do this bend for? What what do we do this for? Long. So that we can our neshama can actually get an aliyah. So it lowers itself down here in order to bend the citra which we're going to discuss in a moment what that means, okay. so that it can then be elevated. Bichte, in order. So why does the soul have to descend to bend the sitraach, which we discussed a little bit in Adam Kiakrav what that means, right? The idea of bending, is iskaffia versus ishabcha. kafia means not giving in, simply just not giving in to the temptations of the klipa. And then the next step is, and, and, to, and to force yourself, so to speak, to do, to do um, mitzvahs that you don't, Necessarily feel like doing. And the purpose of this is that through this, that Hashem's light should spread forth. Like the advantage of light that comes specifically from doctors. Have you guys heard this term from? I think it's from Koheles. Mm-hmm. It's from Koheles. Let me see if this. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Koheles said, um, He said, I, I, I've seen the advantage of wisdom over foolishness like the advantage of light over darkness. And Hasidus takes this quote and uses it for this idea that when the godly soul descends into the darkness, when it transforms the darkness, the light is greater than if than before the darkness existed, than as it was before it was dark. And on a simple level, it means the advantage of light of the darkness is that it doesn't matter how dark it is. It could be pitch, pitch, pitch black. If you light a candle, you dispel the darkness, even a little candle. Than a small candle. The area where the candle is, there's no more darkness. You've shunned light. So there's an advantage that light has over darkness. But the deeper idea is that by descending into the darkness and extracting the light that's hidden within it, that light is infinitely greater and more powerful and connected to the source of Hashem than the light that was never concealed in the darkness. So when the godly soul descends into the body, which is darkness, and into the physical world, which is darkness, and then extracts the sparks and the godliness from, from the world around it and from within itself. That light is much more powerful than the light that it was basking in the rays of the Shekhinah it was enjoying before it came down into this world. And now the Atarabi is going to bring a Mashal, an example. Ukma al Mashal, like for example, Migarin hanizra ba'aritz, a seed that was planted in the earth. That through the seed rotting, the nifsad and it becomes completely one with the ground. It becomes just like earth. It rots. Then afterwards, it's able to actually sprout forth, but much more powerfully. Just like the advantage of light. From darkness. So, you guys familiar with this idea that before a seed grows into a plant, it first rots, it loses its form, and once it loses its form, then it can actually. um, I think it's in the Tiny, where the Ultra says, this is is the closest analogy that we have in this world to Yeshma'ayin. It's the idea of something coming from nothing, which is interesting. Because the idea is that it completely loses its form, it becomes one with the earth, and from that, a plant sprouts forth. So from what seems to be the negativity of decay, (coughs) and from what looks like a decline, actually comes something much more powerful than just a seed, which is a plant that can give life, that can sustain, that can grow fruit, etc. So that's the mashal, and the Nimshal, as we know, is this idea that the soul lowers itself, so to speak, loses its form, becomes trapped within the body, and from that place it can actually get an aliyah that's much greater the nimshal we're gonna re- the mashal or the nimshal the nimshal we're gonna repeat now like throughout throughout the next few paragraphs that's the the ma- the mashal is brought in one paragraph and then like the next few pages is the idea of the nimshal what's going on when the soul descends when it doesn't give in to Klippa, when it does do mitzvahs um, ultimately leading to this place of the advantage of light over darkness so we'll get to the nimshal at, at length in a moment um let's just read the english here page eight the entire verse from Kohalis says that Vera ani I have seen, Shlomo says, I have seen that there's an advantage to wisdom over foolishness. Like the advantage of light over darkness. <coughs> the simple meaning is that wisdom dispels foolishness like light dispels darkness. However, the deeper meaning is that there's an advantage in light when it shines in a dark place. For example, prior to Pesach when we check for chametz, we must do so using a candle in a dark room. Similarly, there's an advantage in wisdom when it comes from transformed foolishness. For example, when someone committed a sin, which is something foolish, and then repents, which is a wise choice, he attains a deeper level of connection to Hashem through the intensity of his tshuva repentance. So the idea of Yisrana Omen HaKoshech is similar to the idea that the place where a bal tshuva stands, that Sadiq can never stand there. Have you heard this, um, mm-hmm. Gemara? That the place where a bal tshuva reaches through his repentance, which is only possible for by him first sinning, he reaches a place that a tzaddik like who has never sinned, who has never experienced darkness, can never reach. Right? Not to say, obviously, that we should sin on purpose, because then our teshuvah is not. Um, if we're sinning, no, not to say that we shouldn't. We should never sin with the intention that we can now do teshuvah. We have was, enough. We have enough issues and challenges that we. I need was going to ask for. that question because I was going to say like almost a way to kind of like jumpstart this. Like, yeah. wouldn't it technically like? Yeah. So it says clearly in the Gemara that somebody who says echte vaoshuv. Um, I'm going to sin and then I'm going to repent, and has it then he doesn't get forgiven. Um, it says this in regarding to Yom Kippur. What about somebody who who planned this all out? You know, it's okay it's Yom Kippur. I'm about to get. I'm gonna. I'm about to fast and repent for all my sins, and Hashem's going to forgive me. Maybe I should just enjoy life a little bit, right? If somebody comes with that attitude, his teshuvah. It's not impossible because it's never. The Rebbe says, it's never impossible to do teshuvah, but it's much, 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 much more difficult to get to a place of teshuvah from." when you start off sinning from that perspective but somebody who encounters darkness as we all do and then wants to repent afterwards can reach a level higher than somebody who hasn't encountered that that darkness um, so that's also so that's the advantage of light over darkness it's the, the the advantage of a seed first rotting so that it can sprout forth and it's the idea of that a balchiva stands in a place where outside it cannot reach so this concept applied to the seed in the ground and to the soul descending to the world as well through the seed coming to a place of darkness, <coughs> excuse me, where it rots in the ground and loses its previous form, it attains a greater light of growth into a much greater plant. And this is very much similar to the process that goes on during korbanot, that a korban loses its form. Many times it gets completely, completely burnt up onto the altar or it's eaten, but the animal loses its form so we can then extract the godliness and, and give it an elevation. So we see that as well with korbanots. Um, is there a tissue anywhere? In? Do you mind passing? Thank you so much. Okay. So, when the soul descends into the spiritual darkness of this world and overcomes the struggles here, it attains a much greater connection to Hashem. So that's the that's the nimshal in brief. But we're going to elaborate on this idea. inyan. So, to explain this concept further about the advantage of the godly soul, specifically descending down here, dealing with the physicality so it can get elevated. We know that Eliyahu said in Tikkunim, there's something called Pasach Eliyahu, are you familiar with this um, passage of Zohar from Eliyahu Hanavi? Uh We say it, I think, Erev Shabbat. So there, there's a, there's, a, there's a paragraph, which we're going to look into. It says, Ant da pikas Asar Tikkunin? That you are the one who produced ten tikkunin garments, the Karina and Lahain and you call them, these garments, ten lights, the ten spheres. La Anhaga behind Omim, and you use them to rule the worlds, Stimin, the concealed worlds, to la iskalian. That they should not be revealed. You should you use you have created the ten spheres to create worlds that are concealed that do not reveal you. The purpose of the Ten Spirits is that they channel Hashem's light in such a way that the truth of Hashem gets concealed so that this world can come about ultimately <coughs> where we feel separate from Hashem, independent of Hashem, and where we become immersed in darkness. So Eliyahu Hanavi is alluding to this idea here in the idea that All the way, starting all the way up from Hashem's sephiris, 10 sephiris, because the process of darkness started all the way there. Started all the way when Hashem defined clearly his sephiris into different, what's called hei we're going to see. There's the chamber of kindness, which is limited to kindness, right? There's the chamber of um, severity, which is limited to severity. The moment Hashem um, quantified, so to speak, his sephiris into some way, even though they start off very infinite, Hashem is limiting himself so that he can create a hidden world, so that we can reveal him in the hidden world. We can reveal him from the hiddenness. So almin, min Eliyahu uses the term almin, which means worlds. Humil-Shon Right? We've learned this idea. It's from the language, it's from the word halem which means concealment. So the moment we say that Hashem took his spheres to create worlds, and we're saying that Hashem took his spheres in order to conceal himself. The nature of the created worlds is to conceal Hashem's light and oneness giving the impression that they are separate from Hashem, when in truth, they are not. And so just to pull us back again to the context here, because we're going to get a little bit inside now, the idea of the spirits and how they work and how they limit Hashem's light to the point that by the time we come around and we live in the world, we don't feel Hashem's presence at all, that we're going to be first discussing the process by which Hashem conceals Himself. And then the next thing we're going to do is discuss why that's the most important Thing that hashem could have actually given us and that through hashem concealing himself he allows us to truly truly ultimately reveal him because that's hashem's hashem's goal ultimate goal was not to be concealed it was to be revealed what's mashiach? mashiach means hashem is fully revealed but in order for hashem to truly be revealed to us we first have to go through a process of concealment where we feel separate so that we can then come close from that feeling of separateness okay so let's talk a little bit about first the process of hashem um, limiting, so to speak, his light. The nekor bazaihar heichalais. So the sefiris are called in the Zaihar heichalais, which means chambers. Heichal the chamber of kindness, heichal the chamber of severity, heichal the chamber of merit, etc. All the different ways that Hashem expresses Himself are called chambers. And we know that a chamber has a limited walls and a context and a certain amount of space which is the idea that Hashem is taking all the different characteristics which exist infinitely within Himself and He's limiting them to chambers saying this is how much kindness is going to be expressed in this chamber this is how much severity is going to be expressed in this chamber and by doing that Hashem starts to break Himself up almost and limit Himself to the amount of to the vessel that's able to contain it so He's limiting His light into the vessels and this is the first step where Hashem creates the concealed worlds. So, so within these different chambers, which are representative of the spiritual worlds, you can find their souls who are basking in the rays of the shechina. Because in Hashem's sefirot, in the spiritual worlds, it's light. Hashem created, you're looking a bit confused, so let's um, let's take a step back. Okay, okay, so, so we're talking now about... The world of Tikkun, right? Within the world of Tikkun, Hashem created chambers. What does that mean? Hashem took His characteristics and the tools that He uses to bring the world into being and He shines them in limited capacities so that whatever creatures exist in that world can actually bask in the rays of the Shekhinah, which means that it can actually experience the light of Hashem, which is impossible to experience but without Hashem actually concealing Himself. So Hashem took His Sefiris he put them into boxes, literally. He said, this is the amount of light that's going to shine from my chesed into this box. And then he created beings that are able to handle that amount of light and he put them into the boxes that they can handle. And so up in the spiritual worlds, there are souls, depending on how lofty the soul is, is dependent on how high up it is bound spiritually. It's because it depends on how much light it's actually able to receive. So there are souls who are basking in the rays of the shechina, what does that mean? That Hashem limited Himself in such a way that He can direct His light to vessels, to souls, um, to kalim, etc., in a way that they can actually receive it. Does that make a little more sense? Are these souls that will later come down into body? Both. Both. There are souls who have not yet come down, and it depends on. Oh, excuse me. depends on the source of their soul, where they're found. And then there are souls that have come down, and depending on how they live down here, that's where you're going to find them up there. So both. That's souls who have not yet come down. There are souls who have come down. But souls in general, there are also souls who are down here because our souls are made up of different levels, and there are aspects of our souls that are existing currently right now in the spiritual world and are actually getting affected by what's going on in the place that's found in the spiritual world as well. So the answer is basically all souls: those who have never come into the world, those who are in the world, those who are um, those who have were in the world in the past and have left the world. Um, they all have some sort of, they all are receiving light up in the spiritual world. Do angels have souls? Angels, do angels have souls? Angels are considered a soul. So angels have, they're, they're, a, they're a limited type of soul, basically. Angels don't have bodies, they have souls. They have spiritual bodies also. Um, here, in the Mimer, it breaks it up. It says there are souls, and then the next line says, and there are angels. Yeah, that's right. So every single created being has a soul, even um, what's being discussed now in the Tanya, actually, is that even a rock has a soul, as a life force that allows it to exist. Um, malachim have some sort of spiritual body, which means the context with which, the framework with which it's limited to, um, and the rest of it is, it's, it's a soul, but it's a limited soul, so our soul is made up of... Chesed is made up of all of the possible potentials, right? Of Chesed, Gavurah to Christ, etc., etc. But a Malach is made up of one characteristic. So, like, one aspect of intellect or one emotion only. Like, Malach Gavriel is just gavura. Like, that's it, right? That's why it says, when we say, um, when we before we say Shema, right? The S she we speak about the angels, it says, V'notnim rishut zeh that they give permission one to the other to say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Because kadosh, kadosh, kadosh means that we're sanctifying Hashem from chesed, from Gvura, and from tiferet. But they have to give permission one to the other to do that because each one, each angel has its own way of expressing itself, its own, it's either, if it's a, if it's an angel from the world of Bria, then it's in it's only intellect, one aspect of intellect. If it's in the world of Yetzira, then it's only emotion, but only one emotion, not multiple emotions. So it's like, I guess we can call angels almost like one characteristic souls like our soul is made up of infinite potential because it's made in the image of Hashem but angels are more like animals where they have one sort of nature that they're completely um, subdued to if that makes sense sure so we say so in these spiritual worlds because of the way Hashem created them by taking his taking his light channeling it at channeling it into a very specific vessel that the vessel can handle, this causes and allows that there are souls in the upper world who are able to appreciate and uh, bask in the rays of the shekhinah They're actually able to receive light from Hashem because it's so condensed and so concealed. And there are also angels who are constantly standing in love or in fear, etc., depending upon which angel it is. So here it says, K'momachana Michael. Have you guys heard of the angel Michael? Michael is the angel of kindness, of chesed. So bechinat Ava, he has one job, which is to love Hashem, and that's all he does. He loves Hashem. The Machan and then And it is the camp of gabriel, and all the angels that come from this from this powerful angel called Gavri called Gavriel. Yira the Pachad. And they serve Hashem with fear and awe. As it says in the Gemara, Nahar Dinor Yotse Mizeatan Shel Chayot. So have you guys heard of the Nahar Dinor? Have we spoken about it? It's the spiritual river of fire that exists in the spiritual worlds that says that our souls pass through them in order to it's get like some Kehenim, sort of it's a it's a process almost. The process of the soul passing through this this river of fire is part of the process of Gehenim okay. It's a cleansing process. Everyone goes through it, the tzaddikim go through it, they don't feel anything because there's nothing to cleanse. And the rest of us feel something, um, but what, so here there's an interesting gemara that says, wh- "What is the Dinor created from? It's created from the angels that serve Hashem with fear. They are sweating because they are so afraid of Hashem because that's that's their entire being, and that's what creates the Nahar Dinar, Okay, just uh, an interesting an interesting idea here, uh, but but what's the point that? Each angel, depending on which camp he finds himself in, whether in Chesed or Gavura, etc., he serves Hashem with that emotion, with that characteristic, or with that or Bina, etc. The Omrim Shirah, and each one is in a constant state of praising Hashem, Kol sagato, each one according to his understanding. So the angels in Briah serve Hashem according to how much they understand Hashem, they praise Hashem according to how much they understand, and the angels of yitzira they praise Hashem according to how much they feel. And then there's the ofane, which are like the lowest angels. The ofane often means a wheel. They are only emotion, but they don't even understand what they're feeling and emotion about, which is why they're called wheels, which is like (coughs) chaos. They're very chaotic angels. Anyway, that's just a side point. But that's where our animal soul comes from. So maybe it it gives a bit of context. Like we feel things, we don't even know why, we don't even know what, and it's just chaos. Um, But generally, the angels are, because of the way Hashem created the spiritual worlds, where his light was limited to very specific characteristics, the angels are actually able to understand a certain level of Hashem because of this and praise it, or feel an emotion towards a certain level of Hashem, and, and praise Hashem, sing to Hashem from there. So hubchinas kolel Each heichal is inclusive, shekolel kola and it contains within it many, many levels. Each spiritual level contains within it many levels. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Like the hechal of Chesed of kindness, Klalusa Hu Chesed. Its general concept is Chesed, the But the details that exist within it, Hu Chesed, etc. All of the different ways that Chesed practically expresses itself outwardly, Chesed Chesed, the chorus of spirit, as we discussed in usratam Lachem, that every single sephira is included from all of the other sephirot. are camps. The sephirot uh, so it's, it's interesting because it, it calls them sephirot but it also calls them hechalot, which are chambers. Mm. Which you can also I guess call camps. Different like a which has a general characteristic and then within that general ch- characteristic of either chesed or gevurah mm. there are many many levels, it's different used, expressions right so the camp of Michal exists in the chamber of chesed so within chesed there are many many levels and you can find Michal and all of his lower angels that follow him in chesed because he's characterized by chesed um the, the idea here so we don't get lost in the details because it is, is is going down a little bit is just that hashem the point is that hashem takes his infinite light which has no definition whatsoever no limitation no separation and he conceals himself and lowers himself to the point that he shines into these chambers and these chambers are vessels that contain the light and he shines a specific amount of light with a specific characteristic into these chambers which then are either defined by Chesed or Gevor or Tiferet and and these are what make up the upper spiritual worlds basically Um, and this is possible again because Hashem conceals himself and limits himself and so to speak breaks his light up. Depending on how much can be accessed and experienced in each level and based on where an angel or a soul finds themselves They're put into levels that they can actually receive based on their vessels their capabilities And that's the way that they serve Hashem depending on where they find themselves So if they find themselves in the chamber of of Chesed in the world of Yitzir, they're going to express love the feeling of love toward Hashem and constantly Constantly do so right if they find themselves in the chamber of I don't know exactly exactly, but I'm giving generals here found themselves in Bria right Um, Then they're going to express that then they're going to Let's say the chamber of chesed within Bria then they're going to intellectually express a love of Hashem From from that world. Okay, so depending on where they're holding depending on how much they can contain That's where they're found in the spiritual worlds and each spiritual world receives a limited amount of light according to what it can receive and again, this is very different than what was happening in Tohu, in the world of Tohu, all the light was shining, everything, all at once. And so all of the chesed was shining, and that left no room for the Gavurah. but then at the same time, all of the Gavurah was shining, and that broke the whole system. So this new system is much more contained and much more limited, but it works. It allows us to actually relate to Hashem and exist as our own selves. So each of the ten spheres contains in it aspects of all the other spheres as well. So that Chesed contains all the ten spheres within it, etc. These are expressed as in Chesed as ten different aspects of kindness, like using wisdom to achieve kindness, using understanding to achieve kindness, using severity to achieve kindness. So we actually learned that the other way when I gave you over Ari the mimer of the Rebbe that if it's Chesed, then it's the emotion of Chesed expressed in different actions based on the spheres. But there's actually some places in Chesed say that if it's the chamber of Chesed, then it's the action of Chesed. Expressed out based on different, based on different um, emotions, and in some places, like in the other mimer, it says that it's the emotion of chesed expressed out. So, th- does that does that make sense? Anyway, so here it's actually saying the opposite of what we of what we learned, but it's the same idea that chesed is included within all of the others. So chesed is expressing itself in many different ways outwardly. Okay, corresponding to these ten aspects of chesed are the many types of creatures produced by chesed such as many different types of souls and angels that are primarily focused on chesed. And depending also on where our souls come from in these spiritual worlds is dependent on what actually our leanings and characteristics are going to be and and what our soul is is made up of. So our soul has a potential for everything, unlike angels, which have only the potential for one characteristic. But even within our own souls, depending on where it comes from and which chamber, we're going to have leanings and we're going to be more either a personality of chesed or a personality of Kiburah, depending on where we come from. Okay, so this impacts us as well. So now it's discussing this idea that the chambers are general that then express themselves out. Of it. So it's a general chamber of chesed that expresses itself in many different ways. So the example given is like a circle or like a house. That includes all the details within it. So you have a house and you see a house. But the house is made up of many, many, many different things and different furniture and different rooms. So too, you see, the chamber of Chesed, but Chesed is made up of many different levels within it as well. perosh This is the idea back to the Pasach Eliyahu, what Eliyahu said in the Zohar, that Hashem uses the ten spheres to rule all of the worlds. <coughs> <Excuse me. coughs> that through the spheres, Hashem guides the worlds, which means that through the the Limiting his light into the Sepheris, Hashem is able to have all different types of creatures exist. All men, the world is referring to these heichalot that we spoke about, these chambers, which is a general encompassing idea. And the guiding refers to the details within these levels. We're not going to get too much into this. Let's finish until here, and then we'll and then we'll continue tomorrow to practically apply this. So What does the heichel do? This is important. The heichel conceals. So what makes the chamber the chamber? The fact that it takes the light and it covers it over. So if the chamber is a chamber of chesed, it takes the infinite, all encompassing, all uh, all encompassing light of Hashem and it expresses its, this light in a way of chesed. Master of Baruch Hu, It conceals the infinite light of Hashem that it should only be revealed to all of the creations that exist in this heichal according to what they can understand, according to their vessels. That so they don't get completely burnt up within the light of Hashem. So the job of the sephiros, the job of these heikhalot is to take the infinite light of Hashem that includes every possibility and to put a stamp, so to speak, on it, put a filter on it, depending on what can be handled in that world. So if this is the hekel of Chesed and included on them are a specific level of angels and souls of Chesed, it only allows a certain limited amount of Hashem through so that those angels and creatures and souls can actually experience Hashem without losing their own form at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um Let's read the last one here, and then we'll finish for today. The reason that this happens is because everything that exists in these hechalot are limited creations that were created from nothing into something. And they are not on the same level and they're not able to actually um, receive Hashem's essence. Because Hashem's light has no beginning and no end. And that's why we need hechalot. That's why we need Sfirot, That's why we need worlds. That's why we need concealment, lahalim or to conceal Hashem's infinite light. Okay. So today we spoke about, and and we're going and we're getting into the practical straight away tomorrow, where how we apply this idea. But today we spoke about the idea that Hashem takes this infinite light and He channels it into different hechalot, into different chambers, so that it can have take on specific characteristics, lose its infinity, shed its infinite quality, and extract from it only that which is relevant and applicable and able to be received by the creations that live in each world, okay? And the reason for that is so that the creations can exist separate from Hashem while still receiving life from Hashem. And next, tomorrow, we're going to see why that is important. Why does Hashem need to conceal Himself to such an extent? Why does He care for us to exist as separate from Him? That we'll discuss tomorrow, okay? questions or comments anyone we're good? good i know it was a little bit lofty today but i hope everything was yeah. okay it's good to be back i don't know how to i don't know what's happening maybe died or mm-hmm. <coughs>